0: Christian, a.k.a. Dad Girl, how are you doing, sir?
1: I'm doing pretty well. How are you?
0: Not too bad. Not too bad. First, I want to wish you and your wife a congratulations on your upcoming birth of your two new daughters.
1: Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember the first time that you told me we were actually at the Blue Jays game right here in downtown Buffalo. That we were. And you said to me, hey, Jay, what's it like having three kids? (laughs) And uh, that just made me laugh.
1: I remember, uh, I remember your wife's reaction. You know, I'm just like, so Jay, what's it going to be like to be a, you know, uh, a father of three? And uh, your wife, you know, and we're in, surrounded by a bunch of people <laughs> who are obviously then listening to your wife just start freaking out, right, with excitement because you know, eventually, it, you know, it clicked in what I was actually saying. Um, yeah, that was really funny. That was we were. I remember driving. To that game because we we picked up your wife on the way and we were trying to find a way to uh, to like say it in the car okay. um, or whatever. But then we we Lisa was so excited because you had just started your new job or got your new job. So That's we were right. talking about that and we were so then we were walking all the way in there. And we were like, now nah, we got it. We'll just do it in the stands. So yeah, <laughs> that. that was funny. No,
0: nah, it's great. Um, love listening to uh, the most recent episode where you dedicated the entire thing on um, the entire adventure. And it's fantastic. And I'm, my wife and I are both extremely excited for you. Um, and the transition from one to three, which, um, is a much different transition than from one to two, like I did, or now that I do have three, I guess we can say that we are tied. Right. But, uh,
1: (laughs) what, what do you think is the biggest transition or what do you think, do you remember being the biggest challenge transitioning from one to more than one?
0: So the biggest thing, and I think any of our listeners that have had more than one child would say that you become so accustomed to the way things are with your first child, right? Their sleeping pattern, their eating pattern, you know, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, what you found successful as a mom or dad. So you think, oh, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do the exact same things for my second or my third kid, right? And the truth is, is that just take that information and that advice and throw it completely out the window because whatever you think actually works for your two and a half year old daughter is probably not going to work at all for your other daughters. And it actually, and one might work for one of the twins and one might not work for the other twins. So, so it's
1: basically just an entire crap shoot starting from scratch.
0: It really is. Um, and, I, and I, and I feel bad because obviously it's, you know, in many scenarios, at least for my wife and I, you know, when we went from one to two, It was okay. You watch the at the time 18 month old and then you take care of the newborn. Um, For you guys, it's like, okay. um, So I think of that Dane Cook joke, okay, who's on the hoses? Right. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) and it's like, um, so obviously, you know, a couple of advices I can give you, right, is, you know, remember to breathe and rely on your partner. Right. Yeah. It's easy to get frustrated because, you know, your oldest daughter is going to be wanting your attention while you're in the middle of warming up a bottle, changing a diaper and cleaning up puke all at the same time. But, um, just take your time, remember to breathe and no child dies from crying. Okay. And, uh, but you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. You know, your daughter's a beautiful, great little girl. And I know your next two little ones are going to be just as well. So,
1: well, more importantly, I I think this means now we're going to have to go minivan shopping now, right?
0: Without a doubt. Um, (laughs) you know, you see those, you see those gifts of, uh, those mini wheel, those minivan wheels flying around and I'm dead serious, man. I mean, my second piece of advice is go buy yourself a minivan. Yeah. You know. Um, <laughs> I'm a proud driver of three plus years of driving a minivan. I have a Honda Odyssey and I love it. You know, it's got that uh those backs, those back seats that go right down into the bottom of the uh the back. Definitely recommend something in the middle with the captain seats, the bucket seats in the middle, because super easy to take in and out. So you could take, you basically could have your youngest, your oldest in the back chilling like she's the queen, watching some DVDs or hanging out. And then the two twins right there in the middle, take out that middle seat, easy access in and out, super simple. That's the best I would recommend.
1: It's actually really funny. My very first car as a 16 year old was a minivan. After I got my learners, um, I started driving my dad's minivan at the time. It was a Chevy Venture, called him Vinny. And then I ended up buying that car off my dad, and I had that car almost, I probably had that car for seven years, probably. Um, And I mean, I wasn't the coolest, well, I wasn't the coolest anyway, but I wasn't the coolest teenager slash college kid, but man, I could store a lot of stuff, uh, which was handy when I had to, you know, move music, you know, music stuff or or whatever it was. So when I was growing up. So um oh yeah, I have no problem. Well I mean you might right what you might as well fully just kind of jump in head first, right? Just full into the, you know, we already do the dad jokes and uh and, and all that kind of stuff. So might as well have the minivan to boot, right? So oh absolutely. Uh, and I know I'm, that
0: you're and I know your wife loves home projects. Yes. So the fact that you're actually able to take all the seats out or hide them and then be able to lay down and buy full sheets. Of drywall or plywood um, is perfect. So I hadn't
1: even considered that part. I think, yeah, think of all of the, like, yeah, you said, like all the four by eight sheets of plywood we can put in there, or, like you said, drywall or siding or whatever it is. Oh, I'm not, I don't even think I'm going to tell her that.
0: Yeah. You then
1: i feel like we're gonna go she'll go out and buy a minivan tomorrow even though we don't need it yet even though they're not here <laughs> just because then she'll think of all the possibilities that uh, <laughs> that she could do with all those so uh, that one stays between me you and the listeners i think for now um, i think that's a good idea buddy because <laughs> otherwise uh i'll be the proud owner of a minivan sooner rather than later but uh what do you say you want to get this episode started let's load it up load it up Horror Story in Braille, something bad is coming. I can feel it. This is the Dad Joke Loading Podcast, and I'm joined back by Neighbor Jay, coming back for another episode here. Sir, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, Jay joining me from it came from the '80s podcast and also from just over the fence next door um, and so uh, just want to do a couple of thank yous before we 're going today. as always, producer Ryan, thank you for putting up with us each week uh, and making us sound as good as you possibly can. I know we make it tough on you. Um, our wives and daughters for letting us do this Jay, of course, thank you to your wife and your kids for letting you uh, stay up late and hang out with me uh, for another episode this week. Uh, Vishal Murthy for the image and branding of the Dad Joke Loading Podcast, and Michael Spicer Music for that excellent intro and all the sound effects that you hear uh, on the show. But f- before we get started, Jay, why don't you tell the folks at home um, about it came from the 80s?
0: Great. Thanks, Christian. And uh, thanks, Dad Jokers out there. Glad to be back in the uh, in one of the greatest dad podcasts out there. So glad to be back. Appreciate the third invite to be here. Um but as Christian said, um, as told previously by your listeners, um, and uh, I do have a podcast, it's called It Came From The 80s, and it's a quick podcast about two zennial best friends who reminisce about the greatest decade of their lives. As a child of the 80s, I grew up in that decade, so we talk about all great things from Transformers to sports. That's the most recent episode that just got released um, all about sports in the 1980s. Think about some of the greatest moments, like, do you believe in miracles or John McEnroe yelling, you cannot be serious. Um, so if it's, uh, if it came from the eighties, it's probably going to be a topic that my friend Tony and I do talk about.
1: Awesome, man. Yeah, it's a great podcast. Um, and, uh, drops every other Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts and, uh, yeah, make sure to tune into, uh, to that. Cause Jay and Tony do uh, a really, really good job. Um, so, Uh, That being said, as we are recording this, uh, Jay, um, all your kids have just all gone back to school, correct? So we're just cruising around Labor Day, we're just after Labor Day, and now you're full on back into uh, the school year. So um, I thought we'd talk a little bit about that. So now, correct me if I'm wrong, your three are now second grade, kindergarten,
0: pre-K? That's correct. Yep. So my my two oldest actually are in second in kindergarten they actually just started back up this past week Tuesday as well as my daughter who's now in pre-K3 so their uh summer is over and they are back in the full swings of the uh the grind of uh for the next 10 months which is fantastic as a parent working parent for sure
1: so what has that transition been like for for them and for you at home
0: Honestly it's 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 not too bad I mean this summer was pretty full and and busy um to share a little bit to our listeners. Um both my wife and I are working professionals. So for us it's it's one of those things where we're up and at them and ready to go by 7:30, 8 o'clock in the morning, right? Um this past summer's been a win a, a whirlwind. We've been bouncing them back and forth between two different multiple camps between two different uh neighboring towns to a karate camp just around the corner as well, um, which is great and everything for the kids, but at the same point as a dad, and I'm sure my wife feels the same way, we feel a little bit like we haven't been able to let our kids have summers, right? Because they can't just play with their friends or they can't be able to just enjoy or sleep in because we have to go to work. We have to be at work by 8, 830 in the morning. Got to get them somewhere. And we, while we have parents um, that are available, they don't necessarily, they're not as available to rely on as much as watching them in the summer as we would like. So it's a lot of going back and forth. Um, but getting them back and forth into the school thing, you know, it's not too bad, you know, probably the, over the last week really started to limit their back to their, their, their television and screens as well as then went ahead and got them back into going to bed at a regular time, getting them back into the mindset of reviewing, you know, sight words and writing their names. And they were all excited to like check out and see their new clothes and new sneakers right, and, uh, new book bags and things like that. Um, and of course we as parents then, wonder when they're in the school from nine to three, what the heck are they doing all day? But, uh, you know, it's nice. Some of the teachers actually use uh, different apps that are available. So they're able to post a picture and you could see it. Or it's one of those things where you might get a message back in like the letter home for the day. We did these kind of things because sometimes you'll sit and like, I'll ask my, like my seven-year-old who's in second grade. Hey buddy, what did you do today? I don't know. Went to gym, had lunch, played. (laughs) But then I ask them, "Hey, what did you do? uh, What did you do in recess?" Oh, we went outside. We played tag. We did this. It's like you remember what you did in the fun times. But tell me more about the math program you were working on, or something. You know,
1: selective memory. Yeah,
0: no, but it's great. Um, You know, it's not too bad. You know, we're um, the biggest thing. Right is just getting them ready for school. Um, Earliest thing I could probably recommend is try to do as much as you can the night before. Right, get their clothes out, get their sneakers out. Um, make their lunches if you can, if they're taking a lunch for the day, and then just really try to prep just like you would for a big meeting or a surgery or something you want to just prepare because that's it's you're saving that much time in the beginning because you never know when um, you have a lazy head who refuse to get out of bed or unfortunately with little kids, one of them sometimes might have an accident because um, they might wet the bed or something like that. And then All of a sudden, now you're adding 15 minutes of a bath or shower to your calendar that you didn't necessarily previously have.
1: I feel like something's always like ready to go wrong in the morning. And as somebody who doesn't even have school age kids yet. uh, Yeah, I feel like that's something that would absolutely happen to me that I would go rest my head and just be like, oh, no, I can do that in the morning. And that just being the like most famous of last words. Um, yeah. because then, like you said, something is bound to go, uh, wrong or take a little bit longer than it's supposed to. And, uh, yeah, then you're running around and of course, then you also have to get your own, uh, you know, your own ass ready to, to try and go be a professional at the same time. So do you find that, uh, between, uh, between you and your wife, do you guys like settle into different roles? Like, do you have something that you typically always do with the kids in the morning versus your wife, or is it kind of just... Uh, a little bit of a mishmash, whoever is there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a mishmash. Um, what my wife, my wife and I have done is actually with having three kids and two of them in one school and a third in another, we sort of divide and conquer. Um, we don't necessarily leave one person as the person who's fully responsible for um, two or one all the same. In um, the new job, Christian, as you had mentioned that I've recently started, I've started to work like a hybrid model. So I'm I'm, at, I'm home two, day, two days a week now, and I'm working from home two days a week, and I'm in the office for three. So in those two days, um, I'm able to take care of the boys because they have a later start than my daughter. And then so in those scenarios, I'm taking on those responsibilities, and my wife then is getting my daughter up and at them and, and ready for the day in that scenario. But little things, as as you would say, and this might be a good segue for one of the other things we want to talk about school, but um, one of the things now we have to do as a parent um, is you have to do like a pre medical screener, which is basically like a five question screener. You know, does your child show any COVID symptoms? Is your child have a temperature? Is your child uh, been sick or shown any of these signs in the past 24 hours? And then you sort of have to attest to it and sort of sign. In. And there's an app, and each day you have to log in and do that. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. So my wife and I joke, she I say, okay, I'll fill out the COVID app every day if you put out their clothes and get their lunches made or something like that. So it's it's just sort of a divide and conquer thing.
1: So do you then kind of just going into that a little bit then, how has the new um kind of COVID regulations, if I can call them that, has has that um added a lot more time? Do you notice it to be incredibly different this year than last year? Um, do you feel like the schools have a little bit more together now that this is unfortunately kind of the second go around of this?
0: Yeah, Yeah, I think they do. I think, I mean, I I'm going to give, you know, the public and the private schools here in the Western New York area, a lot of credit because they were taking on an immense amount of new pressure that they were not previously put in forth. I mean, no, no, no point whatsoever. Can I give anything? I mean, from March of 2020 to June of 2020 was an epic disaster. Um, in many scenarios, some teachers did it better than others. My oldest at the time was in kindergarten. So really, it, it for the last 90 days, I mean, what are you really doing besides coloring, creating, coloring things out and doing some sight words and things? But um, we actually, my wife and I made the elective decision because of working for professionals. When school restarted back up last fall, in fall of 20. It ended up going hybrid, which for our listeners who I'm sure are familiar, it was like two days in person, three days remote. Um, But that obviously assumes that there's somebody at home, Um, right? right? Whether it's my wife or I or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle. And unfortunately, with the kind of jobs both my wife and I have, we don't have that time of dedication and stuff like that. So for both, I mean, luckily things got better. The The vaccine's available. Um, And now the schools have committed, unless things get really worse, to be back in school five days a week with COVID precautions back in place. And, um, you know, my wife and I live a very, uh, you know, conservative life regarding like all COVID things because we wear our masks in places, we make our kids wear masks. You know, we're not crazy unmasked children, people and all that stuff, but, and we respect (laughs) those people, right? But I mean, that's their choice. But I mean, you know, it's, this is, this is not just about us, it's about the you know the entire uh, plethora of the boat and so we um you know we want the kids to go back to school 5 days a week i think there was something to be said about young children being able to develop social interaction with other people and in many ways they miss that because at the earliest at early ages your your mind is developing and and so not having to have that a lot of that social interaction i think can be you know detrimental to young minds because now they're like learning everything behind a computer, they're hiding behind a computer. And I understand a lot of people are still doing things that way, even in the uh, in the professional setting. But there's just something about being in person and being able to walk to somebody and learn or talk to somebody or be somebody in the, in, with in person, in, in my opinion. So, um, you know, we're happy that school's back to five days a week. I think a lot of parents are. I think a lot of working parents are. Um, and whatever the COVID uh, regulations or requirements are, if they got to wear a mask every day, if they have to sit three feet apart, if they have to get a temperature check every morning, we're fine with it. And I think a lot of people are.
1: I feel like um, in in my, um, I say in my experience, in my talking with other parents who have school age kids, and I'm generalizing here, but I feel like for the most part, the kids are pretty okay with it. Um, like they don't seem to be too upset about the fact that they have to wear a mask, um, or, you know, have to get their temperature checked. They're pretty, um, you know, elastic in that sense, which is, uh, which is, is good. And like you said, I think that they're just more, um, excited that they get to be back with their friends or something like that you know i think that they're they're you know they're probably happy with that and a a mask is probably a small price to pay as it were uh you know to be back with their friends in school and be able to have recess and those types of things because i'm sure like you said those are the types of things you know, that hell that we remember, right? When we were in school, uh, you know, we don't necessarily remember the third grade math problem that we did, at least not intrins- or maybe intrinsically, but, you know, we remember the funny stories from recess and the things that we did with our friends. Um, and that was like the biggest part of growing up. Um, so I think that that's, that's super important. Um, and, and, and all that is to say, to be honest with you, even with the regulations, again, talking with a lot of my friends who are educators, yeah. I think they're happier to have the kids back too. Cause I can't imagine trying to find a way to teach 30 kids like over a computer screen. Like I think that the teachers would much rather have the kids in front of them. Um, because I feel like that's where they do their best work too. So hopefully it continues to work out that way. Um, and we're able to keep the kids in school. Um, because like you said, it's, it's part of their development and it's, it's pretty crucial for their, uh, like not only, um, intelligence, but like you said, that's social uh, maturity and, and development as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's, I, I, you know, I think you took the words right out of my mouth, what exactly I was going to say there. The only thing I'll add, I think I'll add to it is that, um, you know, my boys, especially my daughters, like young, um, like yours, but it's, um, they become so accustomed to it. Like they walk out the door to go somewhere, they just grab a mask, right? like picking them up, they're on a mask. Like there'll be times where I'll be talking to my middle son and I'll mention them and I'll say, hey buddy, you don't have to wear your mask because he's still wearing his mask in the backseat of the minivan. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't need to wear it anymore. He just becomes accustomed to it, right? And so it's something that I think a lot of this movement about, you know, children can't breathe, this and that, and not taking anything away um, from those that have preexisting medical conditions. Or, sure, it absolutely. Is, it is a problem. But I think a lot of the ki- I think it's, I think it's more in a, the mindset of the fact that kids are accustomed to it, they're used to it and they know that it's a, it's a disease and it's, it's a dangerous scenario, but they're doing their best to survive through it. And, and I don't think it really bothers them much because they do give them breaks during the day. Sure. They do allow them to eat their lunches? And when they're outside, they don't have to wear a mask and this and that and everything. So it's not like they're necessarily like stuck wearing a mask for six, seven hours a day. Right. Um, but it's just no different. Like, like where I work, you know, um, now we've re- reinstituted mask mandates. So when you're entering and walking around the building, you're talking to somebody, you're in a conference room, you have to wear a mask. If you're sitting in your office or your your cubicle, um, or you can maintain social distancing, you don't have to wear it. So it's really just a matter of we're just trying, trying to do our best to get through hopefully this last wave and uh, try to return to some sort of decency and normalcy by 2022.
1: Now, how do you find that that has changed... Um... With, with the kids in terms of anything like after-school programs or, or sports or anything like that? Because I know your kids have gone to the uh, community center around the corner mm-hmm. here um, and things like that. Is that still something that's happening for them? Has that changed? Because uh, like you talked about being a working professional and everything, yeah. you know, of course, there's going to be some level of, you know, after-school care potentially available if needed. Um, have you ma- noticed or have they told you about any changes about that this coming fall?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, all three of my kids go to some form of after-school program that's usually done right at the school. My daughter actually is just an extension of her her day, uh, right at the same building. You can pick her up by 5 p.m. Um, and then my my two boys, they go to an after-school program that's literally two blocks from where we live, um, and they they go there. What they've done to sort of try to limit the um, the spreading or that is they sort of keep them within their grade. So, um, for example, which is which is actually sort of surprising. Um, each grade probably has about a hundred kids, but I actually would say about twenty to twenty five of those kids actually go to after school care. Oh, okay. So um I thought it would actually be higher just with with uh society changing, but I guess there's not as many working parents that still either either work from home and the kid doesn't have to go to an after school program or there's still that stay at home traditional family style. So but we obviously utilize the after-school program. Um, the fact that the school is run through—it's a village program here—so their regulations is that when the kids are inside the building, they're required to wear a mask. They're required to play and do that. If they're outside playing, they don't have to wear a mask. Um, the only thing that is interesting about it is that it's—it's um, it's comparing it to some of the other activities that they may have done throughout the summer. If there were day programs or there were certain things like each sort of individual. Organization, it was up to their own regulations to determine whether masks were required or not. Right, so mm-hmm. um, you know, my my son, my two sons played t-ball and and uh, travel pitch baseball this or basically pitch baseball this year, and they didn't have to wear a mask to play baseball outside. Or when uh, my son continues to go to karate now, and it's not required to wear a mask during karate. Um, but some of the some of the scenarios where if they were inside doing something, they are wearing it. So I think. I think, you know, people are all like up in arms and saying like, oh, why say I wear a mask this? Why don't I have to wear hair? We're still trying to all figure it out. And uh, we're just trying to do the best to keep everybody safe. Is it a pain in the butt to have to do something? I'm sure it is for some, but it is what it is, you know?
1: Yeah. And, and, and at the end of the day, like you said, it is kind of just all of us trying to do our best and and, and keep everybody as safe as possible. And and And, and like you said, yeah, it's it's a pain in the butt and it probably will be for a little bit longer. Um, but you know, like you said, if we can keep everybody happy and healthy and obviously in, in this particular scenario, you know, we're talking about our kids here, obviously, which is the most important thing to us, then we will have to, uh, then, then that's what, it, that's what it's going to be. So, um, we actually had our daughter enrolled in the, uh, little lamb preschool, mm-hmm. uh, which, um, is just like one morning a week for about three hours, Um, again, for a kind of like two and three year olds. Um, and we actually elected to keep her home, uh, this fall. Um, and we originally were set up to go actually her like meet and greet would have been the week upcoming, um, and, and the main reason was actually because, um, and for uh, those of you who for some reason didn't listen to last week's episode, um, <laughs> recall uh, my wife and I are expecting twins uh, this coming fall. Um, and so my wife is actually currently home on bed rest. And so uh, doing fine, just uh, her job is too demanding for being that pregnant. Um, and so her doctor has elected to keep her at home. Um, and so because of that, uh, you know, we elected to then keep, our daughter at home as well um, because my wife will be at home with her um, and is able to do that type of stuff so it was just one kind of just extra time for her to be at home perhaps when the twins are born maybe come the new year we might send her and see how she wants to do it like that Um, but yeah we elected to keep her home just for for this just because you know with the school year um, and my uh, wife obviously being very pregnant um, you know, we were trying to just kind of, you know, keep our bubble a little bit smaller, not because we were concerned with the, you know, little lamb preschool being some type of germ infested, although I guess two and three year olds are germ infested creatures. That's just (laughs) the the nature of them being two and three. But, um, but, you know, just with the, uh, immunocompromised kind of people in our circle, you know, just keeping the bubble a little bit smaller, I think was, um, you know, was going to just be what, let us feel the best, I guess. Um, And then also to be honest with you um, and I'm curious your thoughts about this as well. Maybe you can shed a little bit of light on this. I think my wife also wanted a little bit of a little bit more time with our daughter prior to the twins coming because I think she realizes once that happens, um, you know, obviously a lot of her time is going to be spent focused on the twins, which is going to, you know, stink for, for our daughter, who's, uh, you know, going to be used to being that only child. So um, when you were noticing or when you were, you know, had your second and then also maybe third, but I'll, Mm -hmm. you know, you can speak to either when you knew the second one was incoming, um, did you and your wife kind of struggle or or feel that kind of stuff as well when you knew, hey, we're going from all the focus being on one to now having to manage multiple?
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely was there, right? Because you know that that one individual person is expecting everything to be all about them, and I think and you actually mentioned this in uh, your previous podcast on the twin announcement, where uh, your daughter's going to have all the attention, and now it's going to be shared. Right? She 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 sees mommy with with babies in belly, but does she really understand what that means? And um, I think the biggest thing that we found, and I think this might work for you and and your daughter, is get them involved. Right. They like so much fun if they're able to go and grab the buck cream, if they can go and grab the bottle or like the the diaper, you know, like they're helping out, you know, Hey, you know, that baby might just be sitting there on the floor, literally unable to move. But if you tell your son or daughter, Hey, can you watch her for a second? Literally when there's nothing to do at all, but they think it's something then that's cool. The other thing of advice is don't forget them, but make sure you still go out of your way to do something right. Plan. An hour or this and that. Best advice I can give to any newborn parents or parents at all is: all kids want is time. They don't need the newest toy. They don't need the latest TV show. They don't need a trip to Disney World. They're all great and wonderful. All kids want is time. And if you find ways, find ways to just give them time. That's all they want. The last what? advice I'll give you, sir, on kids and and this and that is that is, don't forget to still set time for you and your wife mm. when all the kids come. Right. It's going to be extremely difficult. You're going to be like, how the heck are we going to be able to spend time, just the two of us with three kids at home? You um, you got neighbors, and you got a great mother-in-law. So in all honesty, like, just don't forget to focus on you. Even if it's something sure. as simple of order out to one of those great restaurants that we love in the village here and spend 20 minutes to just sit down and eat. The kids can cry. someone can watch, Your daughter can watch Peppa Pig. Just sit and take 20 minutes to be, you, to be Christian and your wife and just focus on that.
1: She does love herself some Peppa Pig. I will give yeah. you that. Uh, she does love that Peppa Pig, um, which has been a godsend. Because um, <laughs> I could probably sit her in front of it for hours on end if I needed to. So that one's always in my back pocket. But uh, no, great advice, neighbor. Uh, well, uh, well said, and uh, we'll do my best to remember that. But uh, we'll take a quick break here on the Dad Joke Loading podcast And when we come back, we'll talk about one of Jay and I's favorite things in the entire world, and no, it is not our kids. Find out uh, in just a minute. Hey, Michael Spicer here. I'm a sound designer and a composer. I have a sound library that's metaphorically bursting at the seams. Oh! Uh, Look at all these sounds all over the place now. Like this
0: typewriter. Wow, look at him go. Glass breaking. Watch your feet. Body falls. Oof. It's a, just a guy falling.
1: If you need sounds or music for your project, go to michaelspicermusic.com! <laughs> Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. This is Christian joined by Neighbor Jay for another episode. And, uh, Jay, we're going to talk about one of our favorite things in the world. And, like I mentioned before the break, it's not our kids, it is football! As the NFL season kicks off literally tonight, um, as we are recording this, uh, recording this episode. And so I thought, um, it would be, uh, a a huge swing and a miss, although that's a baseball reference um, (laughs) for us. uh, If we didn't do some football dad jokes um, in this recurring segment of this week's dad joke of the week. (laughs) And so Jay, I know we got a bunch of jokes here that we were kind of rattling off. So uh, I figured we would just kind of go, you know, seven on seven drills and just go uh, back and forth with some football related dad jokes. What do you say?
0: Alright, let's do a three down though. It's like the CFL.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. CFL rules. Absolutely. Uh, there will be a rouge at the end. Um <laughs> Hey Jay, why did Cinderella get kicked off the football team? Why is that? Well, she kept running from the ball.
0: Uh, <laughs> hey neighbor, what did the receiver say to the football?
1: Uh I'm I'm not sure.
0: Catch you later. <laughs>
1: So bad. Um, hey, Jay, where do football players go when they need a new uniform? Store? I don't know. New Jersey.
0: <laughs> hey, where do Hungary football players play?
1: Where do they play? Uh, I, want, I want to say there's a plate ref. I'm not sure.
0: In the supper bowl.
1: Terrible. Uh, Unless you play for the Jets. Um, (laughs) Where do football players, or excuse me, what do football players like to wear on Halloween? What do they? A face mask.
0: Ah. Let's stick with that Halloween theme. I got one for you. Why was the tiny ghost asked to join the football team?
1: Um... I want to say there's something about like not being able to be tackled, but I'm not sure, so why don't you tell me?
0: They needed a little team spirit.
1: <laughs> team spirit. Uh, that's good. Hey, neighbor, why couldn't the Pro Bowl football player listen to any music?
0: Why couldn't he, neighbor? Well, he broke all the records. Ah,
1: <laughs> yeah. See what I did there? Yeah, you see what I did there?
0: Ah. Uh... I don't think a uh, younger audience knows what a record is. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> now, um, what do you get when you cross a running back and the invincible, invisible man?
1: Crossing a running back and the invisible man. Um,
0: hmm, I don't know. Scoring like no one has ever seen.
1: Okay. All right. Okay. That's good. I was saying <laughs> in my mind, I went back to the, you know, ghosts, team team yeah. spirit. I was going there. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, hey, Jay, uh, which football player on the team wears the biggest helmet? Hmm. Which one? Well, the one with the biggest head.
0: Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one last one for okay, you. Okay. One
1: so. last one. All right.
0: How do football players deal with? with their problems.
1: How do they deal with their problems? Uh, uh, I'm not sure. How do they?
0: Well, they tackle them head on, of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay. That's enough. All right. We're done. All righty. Uh, Well, this has been dad joke of the week. Um, And uh, well, why don't we just hop right into it neighbor uh, and talk about some good old fashioned football? um, Because I know this is something we look forward to each year um because it was it is one of the sports that we uh are most passionate about pay the most attention to um and obviously you being a bills fan myself being a packers fan, i feel like our teams are kind of on the heading in different directions i feel like mine's on the roller coaster that's about to hit the steep do- drop down and uh and you guys in uh in bills town are, are quickly ascending to the top um but um what I, I thought we'd start out by just kind of chatting about some kind of storylines for this year and kind of what we were kind of particularly interested about in uh, in what's going to happen this season, and then maybe we'll get into it and have some fun with some predictions later, um, in terms of who we think is going to do well or not this year. But, uh, what's one of the storylines that uh, we'll just start right here? What's one of the storylines that you're kind of following, uh, this NFL season as it gets started?
0: Sure, great, yeah, thanks. Uh, so one of the, fr- one of the big things that I'm really interested and excited about this season is all the new young quarterback prospects. Mm. You know, we're talking about Trey Lance and Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, um, you know, Mac Jones on the Patriots. I'm really excited to see like which ones are going to succeed and which ones are going to fail. Right. I mean, you look at the quarterback class from four years ago, right. When, you know, you had Darnold and Allen and Rosen, and Lamar, um, all K and, and Baker. Um, so I forget about Baker sometimes cause I know he's only like five eleven, So I forget about him sometimes, <laughs> but, um, you know, and it's like how many of those quarterbacks are good? Well, one's out of the NFL two are, and then you got like, uh, two that are great, you know? I mean, so it's, um, I mean, that's what I, the first thing I'm thinking about is like, how good is Zach Wilson going to do, um, in the New York media and playing for the Jets, right? Right. Can Mac, can Mac Jones live up to the expectation of the big brother shell of Tom Brady, right? Is Justin Fields the second coming of Lamar Jackson or the second coming of RG3? You know, Trey yeah. Lance basically played two games last year. He's like, is he the Russell Wilson or is he, you know... Jamarcus something? Russell. Right, right. So I'm really excited to see about these young quarterbacks, and especially now being an, a fan of the AFC East, um, and you know being a Bills fan, right? Two of the two of the two of those guys are in the uh, in our division. So it's isn't like, it
1: crazy that like Josh Allen is like the oldest quarterback?
0: Yeah, 25 years old, and he's the oldest quarterback. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm also interested to see how some of the growth of the second year quarterbacks go, right? I mean, Joe Burrow, I think, is unbelievable. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. How could I forget about Trevor Lawrence? I mean, like, you know, the second coming of uh, Touchdown Jesus, right? I mean, so I mean. Yeah, seriously. You know. um, Well,
1: and I think even just going back before we jump to second-year quarterbacks, I think what will be really interesting also, too, is how the teams handle them, right? Yeah. Because, like, all of this preseason was, well, I shouldn't say all of it. There was a long time. Before they have the Jacksonville eventually named Lawrence the starter, right? There was this whole Minshew thing, and then mm-hmm. they traded him. Everyone was pretty sure Zach Wilson was going to start from the beginning because the Jets don't have anybody else. You know, uh, Trey Lance or Jimmy G, um, you know, Dalton is starting over Justin Fields, at least to start, um, because right. I think, you know, Matt Nagy said he would, and now he can't really go back on his word um you know and mac jones i mean i i think it was a shock that they released cam newton i think a lot of people were surprised by that maybe not that mac jones was gonna start you know that i think that position was up for grabs but the fact that they just straight up released him i thought was interesting um and so yeah i think it's been really interesting to see it's been really interesting to see how the teams have handled it um and then how they will handle it you know how long And I mean, Chicago fans are already screaming for Justin Fields. So how long does Dalton, you know, how long does Dalton stick in there? What does Jimmy G have to do to keep Trey Lance, you know, to keep his job over Trey Lance? Or are they going to do this hybrid model that, you know, Kyle Shanahan kind of went through Mm -hmm. for most of the year or most of the preseason, I should say. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the teams handle it as well, kind of in response to how they're doing. Um, So that'll be interesting to, to see how it goes.
0: You know what? Here's a really interesting stat, and you might know it, but Trevor Lawrence, um, he's going to eventually lose a football game this season. Probably you know, week he, one. Probably week one, right? Um, But this will be the his first regular season loss since, I believe, his high school career.
1: Yeah, um, I, I saw that said. It was something like he was a sophomore in high school or something like that the last time he lost a regular season football game.
0: Yeah, I mean... It's just it's just crazy to me. Um, shot in the dark. Okay, we 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 listed off those four or five quarterbacks. Who's going to be? I mean, I I think we think Trevor Lawrence is probably like you know the the, the people think the next Andrew Luck, the next Peyton Manning. So let's let's take Trevor Lawrence out of the equation, right? I think, and let's let's go with Justin Fields. Let's go with um, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Of those four, who's going to be the most successful, do you think, and who's going to be the first to bottom out?
1: Um, I guess it'll depend on your definition of success. Um, If I'm talking about team success, meaning who do I think will take their team farthest first, um, I think it's going to... Well, see, this is tough. I think I'm going to say Mac Jones, um, and only because of the system that he plays in. I was going to say Trey Lance, because I think the 49ers of that, of those four, the 49ers are by far the best team. Mm -hmm. Um, But how much Trey Lance is involved in that? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of a Trey Lance, Jimmy G thing. So if it was, um, if it was something where that was Trey Lance, just on his own, um, I would say Mac Jones for sure. Um, but I think it's going to be one of those two. I just don't think like Zach Wilson, I just don't like it regardless of how good he is. I just think the jets are so bad that, um, that I just don't think he's going to do well for a while. Um, as opposed to which one's going to bottom out first, Ugh, that's tough. Um, if, 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 honestly, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say Zach Wilson and that's just not because of Zach Wilson. That's just because of the J E T S jets, jets, jets. jets.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I think, you know, Zach Wilson might be really good, but what's around him? You know, what running backs and receivers does he have? You know, and that is a concern. It's it's great being a follower of the AFC East, but, um, you know, he's going to be going through a lot of growing pains, a lot of running, a lot of running scared. Yeah. Um, Mac Jones, I think he definitely is put into a scenario where he's got great coaching. Great coaching can steer someone in a real well-developed direction, right? You saw all the time Brady basically had to do was hand the ball off and throw three, four yard dink and dunks the first year he went to the Super Bowl and won it. Um, but man, as a, as a Bills fan, like I really don't want Mac Jones to succeed. I really don't. I, I get because, it. Because, you know, it's like, it, it's probably like being a Bears fan, right? And hoping that Brett Farr, when he retires, people really hoping Aaron Rodgers is not going to succeed, right? Um, opposite coin for you as a follower, but, um, yeah, I mean, you really don't, I have to, I have one, one thing that bugs the heck out of me, listening to a lot of these analysts and watching these things. It's like the Patriots still can never do no wrong. And it's like, as soon as they make the decision to like pull cam and put in Mac Jones, they're like, Oh my God, this is the greatest decision in the entire world. The Patriots now automatically are going to win two more games just because someone played in Nick Saban's Alabama football team does not equate to the fact of the speed and the time and the effort of playing to the NFL relates to. And it's a big, growing, you know, when was the last rookie quarterback? Probably Ben Roethlisberger, who went 15-1 and or 14-1 and his rookie season, who just came in and lights out. Or, or RG3 his first year, who was just, like, different, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think Mac Jones is going to be that kind of a person. I think he's he he might he's going to win games. I think the Patriots can be successful because of all the players that have opted out from COVID that are returning back this season from their right. defense, especially. Um, but I think they're going to be more of a run team first. And yeah, I mean Mac Jones is going to find Jacoby Myers open, right? And he's got those two tight ends, and yeah, he's that's got what Belichick Jonas was, Smith
1: and Henry, yeah,
0: and that's what Belichick was used to, right, with Hernandez and Gronk. So I mean. Is, is is there a scenario to succeed? Yeah, um, but man, I, ju- I just hope that I just hope he falls flat on his face. I really do.
1: <laughs> now, let me ask you this: Do you think the Patriots are a playoff team this year? I do not. Okay, I don't either. But we'll get to those picks in a minute. Um, I, I think another thing that's interesting going to be an interesting thing this year. Uh, we had some pretty bad injuries last year. And so I'm thinking specifically Saquon Barkley is one. McCaffrey is another. Um, and we haven't seen those guys in a year. And basically, right. And a lot of their team's success and predictions and everything is based on them returning to what we know that they have been before. Um, oh, Dak Prescott. Heck, there's another one. That was a gruesome injury. Oof. Yeah. Um And, uh, you know, good to see him back, but it'll be interesting. What, uh, which, which one of those guys do you think has the most to prove and which one of them do you think has kind of the hardest road kind of back to what they're supposed to be?
0: So I'm going to say that I think the one that has the hardest road to prove and it's probably simply because of how much um, coverage this team gets and everything is probably Dak, right? Yeah. I mean, if you, you look at Dak's statistics and the way that he was playing for the first, first four games, the guy was throwing 400 yards a game. He was on fire. He was clearly the MVP, MVP or front runner. And then he basically has essentially a type of injury that basically only pitchers get in major league baseball. Right. Right. And, So, I mean, he has a lot to prove per the fear of fact that he's in the Dallas market. Um, Dallas simply can't ever get better than five hundred, And that division, while not a terrible division, you know, I think Washington's a really good and upcoming team. I think he has a lot to prove simply because he hasn't necessarily always succeeded. Like, the team around him is available. They got great receivers. They got a good running back. They got a decent defense. Um, They got Legatron. But, I mean, he's got to prove it, right? Um, the, the contract just, doesn't help yeah. either. Oh, God, no, no. The person that I think is going to have the easiest back, bounce back is CMC. Um, you know, he got injured really early on, and I think he'll be able to bounce back and, uh, and be perfectly just fine. The person who I think has to try to see live up to the expectations and can he really be is Barkley. Um, Barkley had that great first year, but two of the past three years he's been hurt. He's lost time. He's been injured and I don't want to label him, but if Barkley can't return and some reports and things that I've said, he may not become the same player. The question becomes, is Barkley a bust? Right. You know?
1: Well, Um, and and the hard part too, is he's going to be trying to come back behind that atrocious offensive line. Right. And which doesn't help him. And, um, I think it's also can, you know, it remains to be seen, you use the, uh, the four letter B word there. Um, you know, Daniel Jones has a lot to prove as well, and it'll be interesting to see kind of what their offense becomes, um, in terms of how much do they really want to put on Barkley right away, you know, to help Daniel Jones or vice versa, right. You know, that type of thing. I mean, I know they got Kenny Galladay, they have Ingram, um, that You know, they got a couple of good weapons there on offense, but with that offensive line just being as terrible as it is, um, I am a little bit worried about those guys uh, over in, uh, you know, over, um, you know, down east here in the in, in New York City, because I'm a little bit worried about that. But uh, no, I think I'm in pretty much agreement with you. Like I said, I think Dax probably got the biggest expectation to shoulder. Um, just because of the contract <laughs> and, and, uh, oh yeah, nope, uh, that wasn't even, uh, meant to be an injury pun. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I mean, all, all three of those guys play in the, uh, in the NFC, so I hope their teams do terribly, um, but they can do just fine if they want. I hope their teams do terribly though. Um, but that being said, moving on to our, uh, our two teams of choice, Um, you know, that we want to kind of chat about for this season. Um, What are you, uh, give us your kind of season preview of the uh, Buffalo Bills. What are you uh, looking forward to this year? What worries you? Uh, What's going on with your Bills?
0: Yeah, so I am extremely excited. As uh, Christian had previously mentioned, you know, um, I am a season ticket holder. I believe this is year 21 that I'm going into as as a Bills fan here. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is simply being in full attendance for those home games, right? And being able to sit in the stands and enjoy a winning team, right? right. So many years previously before I've watched less than par, average seven and nine, Dick Duran led Buffalo Bills teams. And now we have a team with a quarterback that is young and fierce and can make throws probably like no other quarterback in the NFL can throw and he can like beat you by the way he runs or adjust and plays that, that run and shoot offense or that, that slow down the ball or, you know, best arm in the NFL can throw a ball, you know, over those mountains as like they say. And, um, um, Oh goodness, that movie, I can't think of it off my head, but, uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm re- i I'm really, you know a couple of things that I'm really excited about, right. Is, you know full attendance for home games. Um, that up gaming that, that first game against Pittsburgh is coming up here soon, and um, it's going to be the, the roar of that crowd. I mean, when I was in the, the stands for that Colts game, 6,700 people now we're talking 73,000 screaming fans. There's going to be some stupid Steeler fans with their terrible towels there because the Steelers travel well and they and do props to anybody from Pittsburgh, but. We will drown them out so badly, and I can't wait to see that AFC East team come running out of that field, right? Two other things that really excite me, and I I sort of showed my hat a little bit, is Josh Allen. I mean, you saw what Josh Allen could do. He was second to Aaron Rodgers, an MVP, uh, last year. Um, I mean, this is a team that he led, again, more props to your Packers, but The Buffalo Bills were averaged 31.3 points a game, which is only second to the Packers. That's more than the Chiefs scored each week. And so, but I think Josh Allen has not reached his peak. I think he's still ascending. I still think there's things in his game that he can improve. He sometimes fumbles the ball, sometimes he still gets that, you know, sugar high Josh Allen, as he sometimes people say. I think he can get better. And I think he's going to get better. And now that he got paid and he's got uh, the owners and the organization behind him, he he got paid off Oh, he did. I mean, if anybody is anybody who's an NFL fan, you watch Josh Allen come out that week three against your Packers. Um, I mean, I guess it was your against your secondary and and tertiary uh, backups. However, he came in and just lit them up that first drive. Yeah, he sure did. And it's just like, this guy's unbelievable. Um, the last thing I'm probably really excited about as a Bills fan is our defensive line, right? And it's like, who's going to step it up? I mean, our defensive line has been one of our weaker points, and but we just drafted two rookies back-to-back, first round, second round, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham. Um, I really want to see if Ed Oliver can really take that next step in his career from a defensive tackle. Um, and then A.J. Epineza, you know, he was... Um, a defensive end slash linebacker. He came in last year as our first rookie we drafted. You couldn't really have training camps because of COVID last year. He's had a full year in the system. He really started to turn around. So I really want to see, can this young defensive line get in, get pressure? I mean, Greg Russo is like, you know, it's like Hulk Hogan size. He's like 6'6", 6'7".
1: He is an an animal. Like. He is, so I, I remember, um, when we were watching the draft and, you know, when, when his name popped up and, you know, we kind of went, uh, okay, you know, like just kind of like not really a familiar name, um, per se and, 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 but having watched him and having like seen him play throughout the preseason, he is a beast he is an athletic nightmare uh you know coming around the edge because he's so fast for his size and he's so big that he's going to give tackles a lot of problems
0: he is and
1: uh, so i'm i'm super excited because like you said if him and ed oliver can you know rush from both sides and even just disrupt things enough to make it uncomfortable um yeah that defensive front's going to be fun
0: Without a doubt. So, so I mean, those are the things that I'm really excited about this Buffalo Bills season. Um, what about you, as a Packers fan? There has to be two or three things that really excite you about this upcoming season.
1: Well, having Aaron Rodgers back, um, I think is is the one, is what excites me the most. Because <laughs> uh, for a while there, um, I was uh, I was getting used to the idea of drafting really high, um, you know, in the upcoming draft. But yeah, no, having Having him back is obviously um, is is very key. Um, improving our secondary in the in the draft, I think, is was was big um, because that's where we got stung last year a couple of times, and that's where we got stung in the NFC Championship game. Although, don't at me, uh, but that was not <laughs> pass interference um, on Kevin King. I realize that's such a homer thing to say. It was a terrible call. They wanted Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and that's all I'll say about that. But no, we needed to shore up—we we still do—need to shore up our defense pretty, um, pretty well. Um, you know, we can't have Rodgers winning everything for us. Um, but um, the, the other thing that I'm really excited about um, and that I'm looking forward to is the fact that they did re-sign Aaron Jones. Um, the Packers have rarely spent the money on running backs and have kind of just, you know, drafted and next man up and things like that. And they are kind of doing that with AJ Dillon. You know, he's the backup right now. Um, but to give Jones that, that four year deal to keep him there just because of the receiver he is because of the, um, you know, weapon that he is to Aaron Rodgers, Um, I think having him back is going to be huge. Um, and then also getting David Bakhtiari back, just, you know, arguably the best, you know, right tackle in, in football, um, you know, when he gets healthy from his, uh, ACL tear, um, that's going to be uh, a key there because the, the Packers do have a rookie center right now, um, which is going to be interesting. Um, obviously having Aaron Rogers to snap the ball to, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's what I'm excited about. I mean, I think this is kind of a last, uh, well, they've been calling it the last dance for a bit. Um, you've heard that term come <laughs> sure. out though with, um, you know, Devonte Adams and, and that. So it'll be, uh, it'll be nice to see those guys for, for one more go anyway. Um, so I think they will be fun to watch. I mean, Alan Lazard, you know, is going to be good and, um, it good again. And the rookie they got out of Clemson, uh, another Rogers, uh, hopefully he'll, uh, he'll be good as well and hell we got randall cobb back um so because apparently aaron Rodgers wanted that but uh um no it'll, it'll be fun to see that offense again and uh and hopefully they can still put up some big points
0: hey everything old is new again you know it's good to see cobb there and um there when you have the reigning mvp and um it's, uh, you could be in worse scenarios. So
1: yeah, we know what we could be in. We could be in much worse scenarios. You're very right. Um, so at the end of the day, I can still say I have, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback of my football team. So, um, you know, if, if, uh, if if I'm still saying that at the end of the day, then it's been an okay day. Um, so I'll, I'll take that. But, uh, but on the flip side then, uh, Jay, what, uh, what has you concerned or maybe what has you pausing? About your Buffalo Bills upcoming season,
0: yeah, I mean, there's, there's Christian, there's like three things that you know jump right out to me, and this is, of course, going to be always in the back of I think anybody from the Bills Mafia's mind is that you know, and it's, it's just that like Super Bowl twenty-five, you know, three hundred pound gorilla on our backs is can we simply meet expectations from last year, right? I mean, the Bills were that team that. Was a 10 and 6, two years removed from making the playoffs, but they went 13 and 3 last year. You know, they got to the AFC championship and now they retained 21 of their 22 starters from offense and defense. They are one of the only teams that is able to return their head coach, their offensive coordinator, and their defensive coordinator. So many people in the offseason said, Dabble and um, our defensive coordinator. Uh, sorry, um, Frazier, Frazier. Yeah. Frazier, we're gone and they're both still here. Right. So the question is, is, you know, one thing I worry about is can we meet expectations? Right. Um, I think people are expecting us to be a playoff team. People, many people are expecting us to make it to the AFC championship. Many people are picking us to go to the Super Bowl or even win it. Can we simply meet those expectations or is it just going to be a, a one and done scenario and right. go back to the middle of the pack? Um Team-wise, I think we're really structured well, except for two key areas where I have a little bit of concern. One's at running back, um, and the other's at tight end. You know, I think with the strengths that Josh Allen's able to show, I think sometimes doesn't necessarily... Everybody would want a Travis Kelsey. Everybody would want, you know, a game-changer tight end that you can't have. And Travis Kelsey's are a dime a dozen. They're just... They don't exist. That's why he's so... Dominant and game changing, right? Um, but would have loved to have seen the Bills somehow improve if they could have swung that Zach Ertz trade. Maybe Ertz wouldn't be an upgrade, but I think he'd be a better upgrade than what we have now in our team. And right. you know, we we sort of have a, a thunder and lightning one-two approach with Singletary and Moss. Moss got hurt last year in his rookie season. I think Singletary regressed. Um, some people wanted him to go out and sign like Travis Et- Etienne, but. He wasn't available at the time of the draft. We don't know what would have happened. I'd like to personally see a better running back scenario, if a running backs could improve, because I think that takes less pressure off of Josh, right? You might get yourself in that game where it's 10 feet of snow. We live in Buffalo. And you need to rely on the running game. And so I think i concern concerned about the fact of like our running backs and our tight ends could be just concerns from an offensive standpoint. Sure the last thing that just worries me and this is just of course being a worrisome bills fan is the amount of co- amount of the percentage of buffalo bills that are currently vaccinated right um the numbers haven't come out recently and after cuts uh, after like cuts down to the 53 man roster i haven't seen it but i've you've, i've seen out there that i've seen teams like the new orleans saints are 100% vaccinated i think with um you know, Cole Beasley and, and opening up about his personal opinions as well as some other Buffalo Bills um, that have made comments or even Josh Allen in the offseason made a stupid comment of, well, I haven't read enough facts about whether the vaccine is safe or not. Um, I just worry about the fact that you saw last year with outbreaks like in Tennessee and stuff right. like that. And the the amount of COVID percentage of the Buffalo Bills that are currently vaccinated, I think they're one of the lower percentage teams among among overall team, and I, I just worry about. Hopefully, that does not become a factor throughout the season. I, I, cu- I couldn't imagine if the Bills got to the AFC Championship at the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden Josh Allen gets COVID, and now because he didn't get the vaccine, he, um, he's out for that game. It just would be so Billsy, as anybody who knows.
1: I think that's also. I think that's like a good, a storyline to follow just across, um, you know, across the NFL, right? Is just you know, they always say the best ability is availability, right? And, and so just who's going to actually be available, you know, at any given time, and and you hope, um, obviously, from a health standpoint, that everybody stays healthy, that I think that goes without saying, but then just from a, um, you know, a, a a team standpoint, you really hope that it is you know, it doesn't come down to something like that. You know, if it is a, um, you know, Bill's chiefs rematch and all of a sudden, like you said, somebody big's not available or, or whatever it is. But, um, you know, that being said with all of our kind of, uh, you know, thoughts and fears and hopes and dreams and everything about the NFL season, uh, why don't we close off this segment? Why, with, uh, with making some predictions for this NFL season. I think that will be fun. Um, and we can see who we think is going to uh, win each division. Um, and then we'll also do kind of just our, our wildcard team. So basically we'll go ahead and say our division winners and then our overall uh, playoff team. So why don't we start in the AFC? Um, we'll do the home team since we are in Western New York. Um, so why don't we start with the home team? So Jay, I'll let you go first. Um, who do you have as your AFC division winners and then your um, and then your AFC wildcard team? So remember, seven total playoff teams this year. Um, and so we'll do division winners and wildcards. So we'll start with the AFC. Jay, you're first.
0: Sure. Okay, great. Um, so my four division winners, I think, in this upcoming season for my predictions are the Buffalo Bills, the Cleveland Browns, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. And then if I have my three wildcard teams, I'm going with the LA Chargers, the Miami Dolphins, and the Baltimore Ravens.
1: Okay. All right. Um, so actually, that's funny because we are actually almost the same except for one. Um, and uh, so I have the Buffalo Bills in the east. I have Cleveland in the north. I have the... Kansas City Chiefs in the West but I have the Tennessee Titans winning the South um, and I, the reason I went Tennessee Titans is I just don't trust Carson Wentz so that's okay. kind of why I went, I went that way um, even though I think Indy has a formidable defense and I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be amazing this year um, I had the Tennessee Titans um, because they were very good last year they brought some people back and they added Julio Jones so Um, yeah, my only,
0: my only kind of argument between the two of them is that I think, I think Ryan Tannehill is a very sneaky quarterback that doesn't get enough respect in this league and among fans. Um, but I think them losing their offensive coordinator and going to become a head coach is going to be a bigger change for that offense of how well they're successful. And I think that at a certain point, Derrick Henry is just going to hit a wall. I mean that guy's been unbelievable, and I think he he's he might regress this year. I mean, I, I I love analytics. It's I think what you and I just love talking about baseball all the time, and I know we're chatting football, but you look at the statistics of every court, uh, running back who hits 2,000 and what they do that following season, and it's a big drop off. And um, I think Hen- this might be the year that Henry bounces down. Um, not saying that it's going to be terrible, and maybe he does. 1300 yards rushing which is still extremely impressive but i mean nothing like 200 yard games that the guy was crushing so on that alone i am a big jonathan taylor fan i chose indy
1: no that's fair i can't uh i can't argue with you um necessarily um my wild card teams we actually had the same uh so i had the chargers <laughs> really? the dolphins and the ravens that being said um, I did make my picks prior to learning that they now just lost Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters for the season. Yeah. Um, too. So that running game and that secondary is going to be decimated. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm still going to stick with it. I'll stick with the pick. I picked it. I'll stay with it. Um, but that'll be, uh, but that'll be interesting. So, um, all right, let's move on to the, uh, the NFC. Sure. And, uh, I'll go first here for the sure. NFC. So, uh, In the NFC least, um, I have the Washington football team uh, taking that division. In the NFC North, um, I have my Green Bay Packers. In the South, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in the West, I have the San Francisco 49ers uh, winning my four divisions. Um, And then my wildcard teams um, are going to be... uh, Let's see here. I'm scrolling through my notes. So I have the Rams... I have the Seahawks, um, and then I have uh, the Dallas Cowboys as well. Um, and so I think Dallas sneaks in there at the seven spot. I almost put New Orleans in there. Um, I just I just don't. Again, I, I it comes down to I, I don't know about Jameis. I just don't know that he's, you know. I part of me, like I want him to be successful just from a generic kind of, you know, standpoint of you not really wanting to root against everybody. Although they played the Packers week one, so I mean he can suck for week one if he wants. But um, you know, in that standpoint, but I think I feel like one of these times, like Dallas is just too talented on paper that I feel like one of these times I have to at least make it. You know, even though I would love it if they didn't. Um, but that being said, Washington, Green Bay, Tampa Bay san francisco um and then i have the rams seahawks and cowboys so i actually have three teams from the nfc west making the playoffs this year um because i think that's a stacked division um but uh, what about you jay who do you got uh, coming through for your nfc teams
0: that's actually really interesting christian because once again you and i actually have five of the seven teams the exact same so I feel like this is almost like a similar scenario to you and Chris when you did your Major League Baseball previews. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they
1: were almost basically the same. Although we've been proven very wrong so far, but uh, yeah. but anyway.
0: Um. So for division winners, um, same first three: Washington, Green Bay, and Tampa. Um. However, I'm going with the L.A. Rams to win and come out okay. of the NFC West. Yep. Um. I think Stafford. I mean, I know that. He was in your division forever, but I think Stafford and that offense and Sean McVay and what they did, I'm a big believer. I think L.A. Rams have like a two-year window to be really good before it like sort of crumbles, Um, and I think this is – and we'll talk a little bit more about the Rams, but um, – so that's my pick. Wild card, um, same with you in the fact that I think Dallas, uh, with Dak coming back, is going to make that jump over. Um, Also picking Seattle – Except I'm not taking the 49ers. I'm going to go with Arizona. I just think what Cliff Klingsbury's is doing there and what you saw with Kyler Murray, I think uh, another year there, um, Murray's going to get them to the playoffs. So nothing against the 49ers. It's, I think they're just the lone team out. It would be almost impossible to see four teams from one division make it. Someday it could happen. But um, I think I that think confrontation between Jimmy G and... Trey Lance might be almost like a for Bills fans, listeners, Flutie Johnson thing and could mm. be almost like a, okay. a thorn in the side versus something that's, uh, that could work to their benefits. So um, that's those are my seven teams from the NFC. Uh,
1: why don't you give us just a few other picks to close it out really quickly? Um, I know we have a couple other ones here. Uh, we've got surprise team. Pick for MVP, Rookie of the Year, and your Super Bowl predictions. So why don't you just run through those really quickly, uh, and then we can revisit this later in the year and see how uh, how terribly we both did.
0: All right. So if I'm picking a surprise team, that and whether they make the playoffs or don't make the playoffs, I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I think they're actually going to finish as the third place team this year in the AFC North. I think okay. Steelers actually finished last. Um, I think Joe Burrow is great. What he's got going on with Mixon t higgins i think the only concern is that offensive line there because basically it's what killed him and right. injured him um but i think burrow is like i think he's like really underratedly good and uh i think the Bengals are going to shock people this year at nine and eight that's my prediction um i'm sticking homer and i'm going with josh allen this year as league mvp as we did our previous betting I think, favorite i think he's going to be simply better um, I think there are things that Patrick Mahomes simply excels at and nothing against Patrick Mahomes, but I think, uh, you want to award this award in some ways to somebody who deserves it. And quite honestly, if Aaron Rodgers didn't have the season that he had, uh, it would have been Josh Allen with the slam dunk last year, just because of what he went from. So I'm going with Josh Allen rookie of the year. I'm throwing a, a, a random dart out there and I'm going with Justin Fields. Um, and it's, I know it's surprising, but I think at a certain point, maybe by like week four, you're going to see the bears at like one and three Dalton love, Andy Dalton, people in Buffalo have a great respect for him for what he did to the Ravens. Um, in that final week 17, they got the bills into the playoffs a few years ago, but I think Justin Fields is going to have that, that poor man's version of Lamar Jackson. I just, I really think so. Um, Maybe he lasts a little bit longer than, uh, than RG three, but I could, I just see it like that running and that passing abilities. Um, I I'm sort of on it. So those are my three. I'm going to save my Super Bowl prediction, um, until I hear your first three there.
1: Okay. All right. He sounds good. Um, my surprise team, although we both picked them as a playoff team, um, is is more so because I think they're actually a very big threat overall and my surprise team this year I think is going to be the LA Chargers. Um I think like I think they're going to be a wild card team. Um you know, I don't think they'll really challenge the Chiefs for the division necessarily. Um but just with the what Justin Herbert has done. Sure. Um, and then also what they've got coming back on defense um as well is uh is going to be incredible austin eckler is amazing there um and i mean hell uh you know keenan allen um you know and those guys as well so i think they're going to be excuse me i think they're going to be sneaky good um and i think they're going to make some noise in the playoffs not only are they going to make it but they might surprise some people you know if you've got a uh a chargers wildcard team that maybe has to head to Uh, whether it's Indianapolis or hell, even Cleveland or something like that. I think that's an upset in the making. So uh, that's, I'm going to go with the chargers league MVP. yeah. Like I kind of want to make like a, a sneaky pick, but like, I feel like the most, like, I feel like MVP is one of those that like common, like, you know, common things occur commonly and quarterbacks win MVPs and, uh, and so, in that standpoint, yeah, I, I mean, if I'm an odds-on favorite, I think I'm, I'm betting Josh Allen as well. Um, yes, and, yes. Uh, and because I don't, it's one of those again. There's some recency bias that like it's really hard to win MVP two years in a row. So like Aaron Rodgers would have had to have an insane season for him to, uh, to, to win it again. Um, and yeah, I just think Josh can pull off the stats again, assuming he continues to ascend like we hope he will, um, you know, here in uh, in Western New York. So uh, Rookie of the Year, this was a tough one. And uh, I understand your thought process of Justin Fields. Um, and while I think he's going to be the most exciting, um, I'm going to stick with my uh, – so, okay – just remember I picked Josh Allen for MVP. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Just remember that. Okay. Uh, because (laughs) I think, I think rookie of the year is Mac Jones. Um, and, and I say that just because I think while I think the other guys are better quarterbacks, like I think that Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, hell Trey Lance as a talent, um, you know, I think they're better quarterbacks. Yeah. I just, for some reason, see Mac Jones having more success, Um, at least in the first year. I just see them having more success. um, Hey, people like
0: vanilla ice cream. So, you you know, but the thing with vanilla ice
1: cream is you could do so much with it. It's so versatile. It's also very bland. Um, But uh,
0: I ask one quick question. Okay, is Mac Jones the Baker Mayfield of that class? Like, Baker Mayfield shows promise. He's good. He's got a great heart. Um, but is is Mac Jones the Baker Mayfield?
1: No, I don't think so. Because to me, um, I think Mac Jones has the potential to be a smarter quarterback than okay. Baker Mayfield. I, can, I,
0: can res- I respect that.
1: Um, because I feel like sometimes Baker goes for a little bit of the gunslinger, uh, you know, kind of thinks he can just rely on his arm kind of thing. Whereas I think Mac Jones now, again, I say this has the potential to be a little bit more cerebral. Sure. About things because I mean, everyone's talking about like, Oh, Belichick can make everything. And this, that, the other thing you have to keep in mind, like Mac Jones is like coaches. He's going from Nick Saban to bill Belichick. So I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to be overwhelmed. I don't think by the intense coaching style because he is basically going from arguably the most intense college coats at the most intense college football program of all time to basically the equivalent of that in the NFL. Um, So in that standpoint, um, I think that he has the potential to do that. And because he is going to be, he, because he's going to be the day one starter on arguably the best team of those ones of the rookie quarterbacks, that's why I go with him. Because, again, I think Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback. I think Zach Wilson's a better talent. I think Trey Lance is a better talent. I think Justin Fields overall is a better athlete. But just the situations they are going to, I think you're going to see more rookie struggles with them, which will let Mac Jones jump ahead. So <laughs> that's my pick. All righty. I like it. Last one. Super Bowl predictions. Who gets there? Who wins?
0: Um, I mentioned it briefly as a thing but I'm going with the LA Rams from the NFC this year. Okay. And I'm I'm going with the Buffalo bills in the AFC. I really think they ascend to that level. Um, And call me a Homer, but your super bowl 56 champions are going to be the Buffalo bills.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know what? Um, I mean, the argument can be made. Um, Absolutely. Um, This was a tough one because There is, I feel like even this year, there are a lot of good teams, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you look at in, um, you know, in, in every league, I mean, realistically in the AFC, you know, you've got Buffalo, you've got Kansas city. I think Cleveland can't be ignored, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in that standpoint, but uh, I, you know, it um, it's going to be interesting to see um, what it comes down to. But my my pick is going to be um, a little bit anticlimactic. Um, and I think it comes down to two things, which is, does Kansas City get the AFC championship game at home? Because I think if they get it at home, I think they're going back to the Super Bowl. But that being said, my AFC representative in the Super Bowl is the Buffalo Bills. Yes, and, yes. And I think it comes down to the fact that I think their defense is much better. Like, and I might be, this This is going to be, this might be my Homer overreaction um, <laughs> to what we were talking about earlier. But if Greg Russo looks anything like he's looked so far, and Ed Oliver can be what he's been in the past. Um, I th- I think they have. I think they have enough to disrupt Mahomes. Um, I think they have it. Um, and if they can get that game at uh, at the Ralph, um, then um, I think that they uh, that I think that they have a real shot. Um, I want to pick green Bay. Cause I, you know, cause again, that, that's just the Homer pick. Um, but to me, I think it comes down to two things, which is what happens in San Francisco at the quarterback position. Cause if they get good play, I think that defense carries them to the NFC championship. Um, and uh, I don't really think anybody's stopping Tampa Bay this year. Um, so for the sake of not uh, wanting to pick Tom Brady, um i'm going to pick the san francisco 49ers to
0: make the super bowl um and the, uh the match the matchup of the 90s where you had essentially um, four four straight super bowls from the the buffalo bills and then two before and one after of the san francisco 49ers so there was 8 years of the early, of the 90s where one or two teams didn't make the play, super bowl so the yeah. question christian becomes is Two greatest teams of the nineties, Bills Niners. Who wins?
1: I mean, I got to go with the Bills, right? Like I yeah, think, I, you like I, I think, like I have to, right? Um, because, uh, well, I think that goes without saying. I I, I have to go with them um, because uh, I'd be a fool not to, um, and I'd probably lose a lot of listeners in Western New York if I didn't. Um, <laughs> I think I think you mentioned it earlier, um, and I'm going to point it out again. What it comes down to, I think, for the Bills is two things. One of which is, can they ha- do they have a run game? Um, because if they don't, uh, I think they're sunk. And come playoff time, I mean. Uh, like, I think they'll have enough to win the division regardless. Um, but I think it comes down to that. Um and then I really think it comes down to then on the other side of the ball, how they do against the run um, and how they do rushing the passer. Because if they can't do those things, they've basically lost control of the line of scrimmage. Um, and then a team like whoever, you know, whoever comes, uh, Cleveland comes in with mm-hmm. Chubb and Hunt And or, you know, the Chiefs come in with um, Edwards Alaire, and Mahomes doing his little thing. Like, if they don't have a solid enough defensive front to at least disrupt those things, um, then I then again, there's going to be teams out there that are going to be good enough to beat them. and that's just because of the disgusting amount of talent that's out there. Right. Oh, you know, sure. Absolutely. Um, in, in that standpoint, which again, I feel like is more than ever before. Um, but uh, so again, with the 49ers, then it comes down to, um, you know, if they can stop, um, you know, their run game, because we know Kyle Shanahan loves to do that. Do they have the ability, but, uh, but yeah, it'll be fun to see what happens this season. I know that, um, you know, we'll both be watching intensely and uh yeah it'll be fun to see where our teams go this year but uh all that being said um you know we're gonna take a quick break here on the dad joke loading podcast um and then when we come back as jay and i always do we're gonna play our favorite game neighbor versus neighbor um so we'll be right back here on the dad joke loading podcast that's neighbor jay filling in this week i'm christian we'll be right back Welcome back to the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Uh, got Neighbor Jay filling in this week with me here on the show. And uh, every time Jay comes, we love to play a game here uh, that is our favorite version of uh, kind of a little competition show uh, that we call Neighbor versus Neighbor.
0: All right, neighbor, let's do it.
1: And so, uh, you know, we like to kind of compare, uh, and now this is neighbor with a U versus neighbor without a U. And, um, so we'd like to kind of, you know, go back and forth about our home and native lands and see, uh, you know, what, uh, what we like best about certain things and kind of just go back and forth with a little, uh, friendly cross border banter. So, um, we got a couple of topics this week and we'll just fire through them real quick. So, uh, first topic on neighbor versus neighbor is the country flag neighbor. You're up first.
0: Yeah. Um, I have to start off with the fact that I really like the Canadian flag I think it's a very pretty flag, you know, two main colors, beautiful red maple leaf in the middle. But as an American, the symbolism of what the American flag represents, where each state is simply uh, represented by a star. And then there's 13 stripes, uh, seven red, six white, which simply represent the 13 original colonies. Um, I have to say, in my opinion, I think the American flag is better than the Canadian flag.
1: Yeah, see, here's where, here's where I'll start about and say, again, I don't think either of us are going to disrespect either of, the, either, you know, the either flag. And that's certainly not the point. There's just something about that maple leaf, though, that I sit there and I when I look at it, it just kind of, you know, allows you to, you know, to kind of beat your chest and... Uh, and uh, and kind of reminds you of, uh, you know, uh, of home in that. And so I'll say the star, the stars and stripes. It certainly has that. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? I was gonna say bravado, uh, mm-hmm. but that, you know, or, uh, um, you know, and uh, in, in, in what it represents for sure. Understood. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if there's just something about that maple leaf. I, I, am still not convinced that all Canadians hearts aren't shaped like maple leaves. I think they are. <laughs> um, and isn't
0: there a little bit of maple, maple syrup as well? And that's
1: blood? 12% of our blood is maple syrup as well. Yeah. So that does help here. So, um, but, uh, all right, next national anthem.
0: Um, this might come surprising, but I think that the Canadian national anthem is better than the American national anthem. I am
1: very surprised to hear you say that. Okay. I want to know why.
0: Um, I think it's just, it's a better overall well-sung song. Um, I don't necessarily believe Francis Scott Key actually wrote the American national anthem or he sat on a boat and was writing it as there was a battle ongoing. Um, that's a folklore, obviously right. Like Johnny Appleseed planting apple trees across America. But um, I like just the Canadian national anthem. I think it's um, it's the the best way I can think about it as an American, right? You hear it constantly at Sabres games, right? Or um, they always play both national anthems. It's just a better. I think it's an overall better song. Love hearing it, especially during the Olympics. No shout out to the American national anthem. You actually look at the words and it tells a nice story. But I just like the I like the actual lyrics and the um, the Canadian national anthem and I'll even give, uh, I'll give a shout out to our Francophones uh, friends out in Quebec, even when they sing part of the song in French. It's just sort of cool. To me, I, I like the Canadian National Anthem better than the American.
1: All right. Okay. I have a bit of a two-part answer to this, which is a bit of a cop-out. Um, the ending of the American National Anthem, I think, is awesome. Um Except when it gets overdone at like the Super Bowl or something like that, when somebody tries to do too much with it. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> but the actual kind of last few lines of it, you know, it just gets you pumped up for you could be folding laundry and like it just gets you pumped up and you're just like, let's freaking go, you know, as you're like folding this pair of socks, yeah. um, you know, as, as you hear it. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. There's just something about the the words and the tune of Oh Canada" that I think is is overall better, personally. And just to like me, like you said,
0: like I agree. Those first five syllables, like it's just so boom. It's Oh Canada." I love it. I think it's so great. You know, it's like "Oh, say can you see?" Like, yes, the Americans always finish strong, but the Canadians nail you from the beginning. That's just how I feel.
1: <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, next one here. And, uh, this one's probably going to surprise a few people, I think, but we're going to go you, the United States Imperial system versus the metric system.
0: Um, I think if I'm talking about the world, obviously the metric system is what everybody uses living here in the States. I think it's the, it just makes it more sense for me. Like the, so I'm going to go with the U S system. Um, utilizing thing in Fahrenheit versus Celsius because there really is a big difference between 86 degrees and 80 degrees versus I don't know if there really is a big of a difference between 28 and 27 or I can understand what a mile is, but like a kilometer is, I don't know. Um, I like the American system better, but that's just me and my 40 years of living in America.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I guess I have a bit of a skewed answer because I find myself using both all the time, and it, it comes down to what I do professionally, which is as a veterinarian, okay? So every drug, um, every prescription, every calculation that I make is typically on a milligram or kilogram basis. So I don't, I don't calculate medications based on pounds really ever. Um, so I'm always using, we call it mig per keg, milligram per kilogram. I'm always using that. Um, and so regardless of the fact that I bring a dog in and it weighs 63 pounds, so I still weigh the dog in the Imperial system, I'm immediately converting it to kilograms. Um, but that being said, if you ask me how tall I am, I'm 5'11". You know, like, and so, or, but if you look at my Canadian driver's license, I'm a hundred and whatever centimeters, right? right. Like, right. And, and that type of stuff. So, I find myself personally referring to myself in the imperial system much more often, um, and uh, as a, but in professionally, the metric system is so ingrained in my brain sure. um, that I that I have to do that, and I'm also. Um, you know, when we look at football and that type of thing, they use yards and, you know, and that type of thing and inches. And when we're, you know, doing all of our home reno projects, it's all inches, right? Like I'm using a two by four or, a, you know, a four by four or whatever, and that type of thing. So, uh, which always pisses off my dad, which is funny because, um, I'll be like, oh yeah, it's about two and a half inches. And his, the first thing out of his mouth is, oh, what's that in centimeters? Uh, because he is a Canadian, um, he was a Canadian uh, educator, uh, and a math professor. So he's very ingrained in his metric ways. So, um, so does
0: he refer to real quick, does he refer to himself as, Oh, I'm six, two, or I'm 1.93 meters.
1: Oh no, he's, he's 1.93 meters. And he, he absolutely. And when he asks you how much he weighs, he's like, Oh, I weigh such and such kilograms. Um, you think
0: that's the way it is from, I mean, and this is me and my, you know, unknown american ways but i i think most canadians i know tend to measure themselves in pounds and 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 uh feet for height and weight as opposed to uh, i would agree and and kilograms
1: i would agree if you ask if you ask any canadian how tall they are 95 percent of them are going to say you know six two five eight or whatever for sure Um, so that's where it's kind of funny. The other thing that my mom always says, which I will uh, give her credit for is she likes the imperial system only when it comes to losing weight, because it's much, (laughs) it's it's much easier to lose a pound, uh, than it is to lose a kilogram. So, um, in that standpoint, all right, uh, two more here last, uh, this one is, uh, uh, going in the currency mode, which is the multicolored, uh, rainbow money of the Canadian system versus the green paper money of the American
0: system. Okay. So to me, um, just based on two things, one is texture, right? The actual green paper money to me feels like money. Um, the, 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 the rainbow plastic as I'll call it, it just now old Canadian dollar bills felt more like an actual dollar bill. Sure. The, the, the modern, like the plastic with the things, beautiful looking currency, really pretty, beautiful images on the back of all great Canadian things. Um, But come on, guys. I mean, this is 2021. Why are we still having Queen Elizabeth and Canadian Parliament people still, you know, United Kingdom Parliament still on our money? Shouldn't there actually be great, great Canadians that actually should be on the money? Um, That's like the, the U.S. money. It's it's great former, you know, founding fathers, Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, people that actually mattered. I mean, what happens in 10 years from now, is everything going to go to, you got to, is the Canadian money going to change and Prince Charles' face is going to be on the dollar bill or the $2 bill, right? I mean, it's, you know, or or 20. I mean, I'm sorry, because there isn't a loony or $2 bill anymore, $2 bill. But um, so that's, so if Canada got more with the times of putting strong, proud Canadians on as opposed to showing loyalty to the crown, I would say Canadian dollar bills, Canadian money in a heartbeat, because it's prettier, it's like it, but go back to the way money should be feeling. And the American money though has to change from green. It's just boring. It's like we have we have crappy looking money. Um, but a hundred dollar bill is still give me a Benjamin, right? It's all about the Benjamins. And, <laughs> it is know. all about the Benjamins. So it's I'm a mixed bag, I guess I would say. It's it's a, it's it's six of one, half a dozen of the other.
1: So I, I will say that there is something to be said about like the wad of cash that you can have with American bills um, because like, I'll only ever achieve a wad of cash if I have dollar bills because I'm never going to have a wad of a hundreds because that's <laughs> yeah. just not how I roll. So in that standpoint, yeah, that like wad of bills um, is, uh, is nice. Um, but I actually like the multicolored kind mm-hmm. of, uh, build as opposed to, cause like if I'm sitting there and I've got like a bunch of money in my wallet, not that I ever have a bunch of cash in my wallet. Cause I don't even know that I carry much cash anymore ever. But if I've just got a green paper bill in there, I don't know if it's a one or a five or oh, a 10 or a 20. Without so it's doubt. Without almost doubt. like surprise, like how much money do I actually have? Whereas like the Canadian stuff is, is distinct um, yeah. you know by the color for sure. You know by the color. Um, now that being said, that texture aspect to it, you're right. I don't really like the plastic aspect to it. They don't really like fold in your wallet well, you know, they uh, whereas like even if you get a crumpled, you know, green paper dollar bill, you could still smooth it out decently. Um, but if I'm going from complete aesthetic, I'm still going to go Canadian just because I do like the um you know, the kind of multicolored version of it. Cause yeah, America does really get to need to get with the times here in terms of their just kind of monotone kind of, absolutely uh, even colored money.
0: Even in Europe, it it definitely has, it's European money is a lot prettier. The British pound, et cetera. But
1: the euros are, are very similar to, uh, to Canadian dollar bills Mm -hmm. as well. Um, Mm -hmm. and in that standpoint too, like they have the kind of different color aspects to it. So,
0: but but what do you say if if you think the Queen's got to go?
1: I think the Queen's got to go, and it's nothing against the Queen. Um, it's just like you said. There's just so many more um, historically important Canadians. Absolutely. You know that why continue to you know um, again nothing is nothing against the Queen. This is just, just yeah. hey, it's 2021. Um, let's honor some Canadians who um, you know are are important into Canadian heritage. So. Uh, in that standpoint. So yeah, I think there definitely could be a new rollout campaign um, for uh, for that $20 bill. But uh, you're never going to find, you know, I don't think any prime minister is dumb enough to do that, right? Because
0: <laughs> no, um, no. they're
1: not, uh, you know, for interest of self-preservation. So I don't think you're going to see that anytime soon. Maybe after she passes, though. Maybe, you know, they'll give her a little yeah. longer after she passes. Uh, but but who knows? So unless, all right, unless, last... W- oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: i say unless for some reason Canada were ever to um, withdraw from being a Commonwealth of Great Britain. I sure. think it probably will never happen.
1: Yeah, I I, I can see that. Um, yeah, I can argue it both ways. To be honest with you, I mean, it doesn't really offend me that much that the no. Queen's still on the twenty. But uh, but yeah, if we wanted to really honor Canadian history, I feel like you know we could probably figure out somebody better. But
0: uh, Man, put Wayne Gretzky on the twenty. Why not?
1: I don't think anybody could argue that.
0: Yeah, I mean, so. I'm not I'm not a Wayne Gretzky fan not because of the way his hockey was. And we get into that argument another day. I just, I didn't like after the 2004 Olympics when he talked a lot of crap about America, despite making millions of dollars and marrying an American model. Fair. So I mean, and he still lives in America. It's like, go back to Canada. If you're such a great Canadian, sorry, Canada, but that's just that's <laughs> hot take.
1: Um, already Last one, of neighbor versus neighbor. Since we said that football season is starting the CFL season has already started, um, and so let's duke it out on this one here, neighbor. NFL versus CFL.
0: Yeah, um, CFL is a great game. You know, it's uh, three down football versus four down football. 55-yard line with uh, different different uh, rules and, you know, one-hand catch, you know, inbounds. Appreciate all the differences that it brings. I know that is a great thing. My only drawbacks on the Canadian football is that I don't think there's enough teams. I mean, what do you got? Eight teams? how many times nine. can you have nine? I mean, how many times I mean how many times can you have like the same team with the exact same last uh, nickname, right? I mean, it changes it's, <laughs> you don't have that anymore. Uh, we just spent about forty five minutes talking about the NFL. um there's an NFL football team here in Western New York. if uh, there was never a team in Buffalo and we simply had choose from teams within New York City or the Hamilton Tiger Cats or the Argos, maybe I'd steer more to the CFL. But for me, I think it's a slam dunk. The NFL, it just is so dominant. It's probably, despite the fact of only playing probably the shortest season of all the major four sports franchises, it's probably the king among the four. And I think with that alone, it, it probably trumps the CFL, in my opinion.
1: So... I, I agree with you in part, and I think overall the talent in the NFL, I, I don't think there's an argument that it's far superior um, just because of the amount of, you know, funding that it goes in, the NCAA pipeline, you know, all, all of that kind of stuff. I mean, the best players really go to play in the CFL. I think that's pretty fair to say. I don't think any CFL team is really going to challenge any NFL team in in any standpoint. Uh, maybe the Jets. Uh, but <laughs> In, but if I'm talking about an overall game, I personally, and again, this is going to be a super Homer statement as well as someone who's had season's tickets to the Hamilton Tiger Cats still, you know, for about 15, well, hold on now, what am I, 17 years now. Um, I think the CFL's a better game and I, I'm going to explain why. So you talked about three down football. The biggest drawback, I think, of watching an NFL game live or on TV is there's one play and then you stand around for what seems like three minutes. And then there's another play and then there's all these stops in between. Whereas in three down football, you have to shit or get off the pot. You know, you don't have a a, a down on first down that you can just like run, you know, run the ball for two yards just to kind of, you know, see what happens. You, you don't have that luxury. So yes, there's a lot more punting in the CFL. There's a lot more change of possession, but I think that gets that keeps the game going, which from a TV standpoint, I think is very important. Um, the other thing that I also like about the CFL is, and I'll just say these two really quickly, which I think make it a better game: the unlimited motion prior to the snap.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree with there.
1: Right. So um, I think that so you can have all your receivers and backs running, you know, all about throughout that. And then also the the uh, the deepened end zone with the uh, goalposts at the front, because then every missed field goal becomes the opportunity for a run back. You've got way more room in the end zone, uh, you know, for uh, passes, you know, for kicks, for everything like that. Um, in that standpoint, so I think that's I, I think makes it a lot more exciting as well. Um, because I think that gives you a lot more options um, offensively, um, which is really what drives the game. So uh, those are the reasons why I, uh, a couple of reasons why I think it's better um, in, in, in the CFL overall as a game. Um, I don't think anyone's going to argue that the talent, again, like I said, in the NFL is better. Um, but I think the game itself, I think, is is more exciting to watch in the CFL. But that's just one homer's opinion. So.
0: Sure. You know, I've actually, I've never been to a CFL game, um, but I'd love to go someday and hopefully when this pandemic is far from over and you can get away from your three girls and, and your wife. So your four girls and, uh, I can get away from my four in my house. We can sneak up to, to, uh, Tim Horton stadium and, uh, Tim horton field and catch a uh tiger
1: yeah we will absolutely have to do that because uh yeah we, w- we will definitely make sure that that happens because um it is it is an experience and it is it is very very fun and you have graciously invited me along to uh i'll always call it the ralph um
0: oh yeah sure.
1: uh, you know uh you have graciously invited me to the ralph so it's only fair that uh, that you uh, you come on home and uh, and catch up on your Canadian roots at Tim Hortons Field. So, hey, where's um, the
0: tailgating better, real quick, in Buffalo or Hamilton?
1: Oh, Buffalo for sure. Um, there's really no tailgating allowed in Canada, um, I just I based, based on I their uh, based on their kind of liquor laws overall and the provincial rules um so yeah no uh buffalo bills take tailgating uh yeah by far 10 out of 10 uh uh, although our tables do stay intact uh in uh in, in hamilton but uh uh but that's a story for another day but um my my friend, it's been it's been great chatting with you uh, this week. Not that we don't talk enough, but uh, you yeah, know it's always great to kind of catch up with you, chat about life and uh, and that type of stuff, and uh, and football of course. So always a pleasure having you, uh, and uh, it's been fun having you on the pod this week. Before we close out for the day, uh, why don't you just give uh, the folks one more plug for Came uh, for the Eighties?
0: Yeah, Christian, great. Thanks so much for once again having me. Uh, third time is a charm here. Always a pleasure to da- join in the Dad Joke Loading Podcast. Congratulations once again on the Expecting Twins. Thank you, well. sir. Um, but yeah, if you're looking for an alternative to um, Dad Jokes and you want to hear a little bit more about nostalgicness from the 80s, come give It Came From the 80s podcast a listen. Available on all major uh, markets, Apple, Spotify, Google, Um, Two Xennial Best Friends reminisce about the greatest decade of their lives. Um, you could also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Came from the 80s, where I post a bunch of pictures and images from nostalgic stories that we love to share. So
1: awesome, man. No, yeah, it's a great podcast. Make sure you guys do check it out. Um uh because they talk about a, a lot of great stuff that when they start talking about it, it's like, man, yeah, that was some good shit um and uh, yeah jay and tony do uh do a really good job with that so um as always sir it's a pleasure uh thank you so much again for joining us here uh producer ryan thank you so much for all of your work vichelle murthy image and branding michael spicer music for the um you know intro theme and sound effects um, that we've got going there and of course our wives and daughters for letting us do this and dad joke around with each other each week and you the listeners for coming out uh and hanging out and putting up with us every week get in touch with the show dad joke loading podcast at gmail.com dad joke loading podcast on twitter uh excuse me on instagram and at loading dad on twitter that's all for now jay thank you again sir and we'll catch all you dad jokers next week